So I'm so excited to have as my first guest, my first ever podcast here on Substack, Renato Poliafito from Chow Gloria here in Brooklyn, New York, where I'm chatting with Renato. And there's a big plate of pastries in front of us. But first, I just want to welcome everybody to my first ever podcast. My name is David Leibovitz, and I can be found at davidleibovitz.substack.com. So people can head to my newsletter and subscribe and get future podcasts for me. But I think this one's going to be the classic because I haven't done a podcast before. And so I have my guinea pig, Renato Poliafito, here with me. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. I am honored to be the guinea pig. I've okay. always wanted to be a guinea pig. So. <laughs> really? <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> we all have such different aspirations. Um, <laughs> but I met you, gosh, was it, it might have been in around 2005. Very early on, yes. So for those of you that don't know Renato, Renato was the co-owner of Baked Bakery in Brooklyn, which opened in 2005 in Red Hook. And I remember I took the bus there. I took a subway and then the bus. It was very hard to get to, but it was worth it to get there because there was all these beautiful desserts. So you started out as a designer. Yes. And yeah. then you decided to start making desserts. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about that transition. Well, I kind of, I fell into it really. I mean, I went to school, I was an art major in college. And um, when I graduated and moved to New York, I started working for magazines. I was like a layout editor and mm-hmm. like doing that sort of thing. And then that was during the whole internet boom, if you remember that. And then I switched over to online design mm-hmm. and uh, did that for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, certain events happened, 9-11 happened, mm-hmm. you know, there was, it was crazy. And I wanted to switch gears and I had this kind of inkling, this desire to open up a coffee shop. And I had met my then business partner, Matt, and he had wanted to open up a bakery. So mm-hmm. that's kind he of... He had a chocolate place. He had a chocolate shop. Yeah. But we had met at an ad agency okay. prior oh, okay. to that. So we were both in advertising. And um, I was a designer and he was a project manager. He ended up opening up the chocolate shop. I wanted to open up a coffee shop. From his chocolate shop, he wanted to open up a bakery. He met up with me and said, let's kind of combine our ideas. Mm -hmm. And that's how Baked was born. So I kind of fell into baking. Prior to that, I had just baked at home for friends, that sort of thing. Because I had read, this is a sort of indirect quote from you, you said you wanted to open the Great American Bakery. Yeah. Which actually you did. You had beautiful cakes. (laughs) You know, you were doing the Funfetti cakes before everybody was doing Funfetti cakes, bar cookies. Yeah. Um, Salted caramel. Salted caramel, exactly. I remember going in there and like, everything here is wonderful and it's exactly what I wanted to eat. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I do have to, I'm just having a little PSTD because Uh you and I shared a collective experience Uh that was very traumatic. We went Greece together. Yes. (laughs) And you, um, my partner, Roman, Mm -hmm. Parisian driver, was driving and we were driving down all these really windy roads. Super windy, yep with big, long, very high cliffs off to both sides. And he kept looking around and looking back in the back seat to see how you were doing. Yeah. And you and I were both terrified. Yeah. I actually had nightmares for like five years after <laughs> that vacation. I still think about it. I could actually put myself back into that seat because I was also sitting on my husband's lap because right. the car was so small. Yes. And so this like rickety little car going up and down these hills, uh, mountains, I don't even know, but it was 
It's definitely one of the worst driving experiences. I'd say top five, easily top five. Yeah, I actually still have flashbacks about yeah. it. And Roman's like, "We need to go back to Tino." So I'm like, "Well, let's get Renato. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure he won't. I'll meet you wherever you end up. You know. <laughs> so you had this the Great American Bakery, mm-hmm. and a couple of years ago, you decided to do something completely different. And you decided to go in an Italian or an Italian-American direction. And now you have a bakery called Ciao Gloria in Brooklyn. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit about it? And I want to tell people about what we've got on this plate in front of us after you do. Oh, yeah, of course. Everything's beautiful. And I'm smelling this chocolate brownie. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing this rainbow cookie. (laughs) And (laughs) there's lots to enjoy here. I'm very hungry. Well, um, yeah, good thing. I mean, I have coffee ready. And, you know, I haven't eaten yet. So I'm ready to dig in as well. So, But Chow Gloria, well... Let me let me backpedal just a little. I left Baked in 2017 after many years and decided to take a little bit of a break because, as you know, it's like you know, you own a business, you run a business, right. and you don't stop. I've never run a business, but people have... But I'm sure you know. Yeah, people yeah. have told me, you should open a bakery. And my friends in San Francisco are like, why don't you run ours for a couple of weeks and we can go on vacation? <laughs> <laughs> Very smart. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a constant thing. And so, you know, after so many years of working at Baked and working in Baked and writing the cookbooks and doing all this stuff, it was a wonderful experience, but I just needed to step away. And I took some time off and tried to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I, you know, being uh, an Italian American, I always wanted to infuse the business with a more of an Italian vibe, but Mm -hmm. Baked is an American bakery. So I never, you know, here and there you would see things like the tricolores definitely made an appearance at Baked. And, you know, my mom's S cookies are in one of the cookbooks, Mm. that sort of thing. Um, S cookies, I forgot about those. What are S cookies? Can you tell people? Oh, gosh. An S cookie, it's like, (laughs) it's it's funny because it's one of those recipes. It's an Italian kind of like casalinga recipe, which is like, you know, a home cook, home baker recipe. Mm-hmm. There's S-shaped cookies and you see them in Italian American bakeries. You'll see them in like every Italian American's home. It's just basically almost like um what you, like a baking soda based cookie. It's a very fluffy vanilla scented cookie. Sometimes it's anise flavored. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's lavender flavored. Um, is it like a, there's a cookie called a crumeri and my Italian is terrible. Crumeri? Crumeri, yeah. Is it's it similar. like that, which is like a, a shortbread dough, maybe piped into an S shape? Yes, yeah, so you could pipe it or my, my recipe is actually, it's a dough that you kind of cut, roll into um, like kind of Roll into pieces. You roll into pieces and then you create the S shape. Okay. From rolling it into like kind of like a long cord. But anyway, so that's my mother's recipe, but I've seen them translated so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a hundred variations. If you type in S cookie in like YouTube, for example, Uh you'll see a hundred different recipes. And just a hundred. Yeah. YouTube's huge. Well, have you looked at YouTube? (laughs) Maybe, maybe 110. I don't know. But, um, yeah, you'll, you'll find like countless recipes for Mm -hmm. things called S cookies and they're all wildly different. So when you told me you were opening this bakery, because we've been, we, we keep in touch frequently. Mm -hmm. I wasn't quite sure because of the process, because I like Italy. I love Italian food. The desserts are not necessarily, not to insult anybody, but Italy's not known for certain things. Yeah. Um, it's known for wonderful gelato pizza. Mm-hmm. 
And I love like the Italian cookies, biscotti and so forth. But I was wondering how they would jibe with Americans' taste. Yeah. Americans often like things with frosting mm -hmm. or that maybe are a little more complicated. Like when you say anise, yeah. a lot of people in the U.S. are probably like, Oh, I don't want anise, I want chocolate. And I love anise, yeah. so I'm not criticizing. Yeah, anybody. no, I mean, there's a very fine line between, you know, I always <clears throat> found Italian baking to be very rustic at best. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's definitely, the cookies are always like on the dry side. They're always very crumbly. They're biscotti, basically. Yeah. They have crostatas and tarts and things like that. And the cakes tend to be on the overly sweet side. Mm -hmm. So how do you create a dessert menu or an Italian-American bakery that's kind of modernized, that mm -hmm. isn't like the old stuff that you see kind of like in the Italian neighborhoods and that right. is new, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, it was easy because it kind of, you know, coming from the background of baked and having this Italian background, it kind of opened the doors to me saying, okay, I can have an oatmeal cream pie and I could have it next to an amaretti cookie. Mm -hmm. I can have, you know, a delicious kind of like layered chocolate cake next to a tricolor, you know? Okay. So it's, that's, it, it basically doubled the menu and I could pick and choose. I could cherry pick what I liked from Italian mm -hmm. desserts using Italian flavor profiles and influences or inspiration from Italian desserts, kind of Americanize them, kind of tweak them. Okay. Well, I'd love to go around this plate mm -hmm. that you have in front of us yeah. and talk about everything and then taste it. But I do remember um, years ago, I went to Italy and I was staying in a friend's apartment and I went to the little corner store to stock up on food mm -hmm. and I got some butter, put a thing of butter you know, and live in France and I got a butter and baker. And the guy was like, this is for breakfast only, you know that. And I was like, um, um, okay, I know that, but I, you know, I might want to make a cake or something. And he's like, no, breakfast only. And it was very, yeah. you know, as you know, um, they're very regimented with yes. their yeah food choices. You you can't wildly deviate from a classic Italian menu mm -hmm. very much. Like from you know having the cappuccino in the morning. Yes, breakfast is usually on the sweet side. You know if you do want like a savory Italian breakfast, you have toast and butter, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you can't have cappuccino after twelve p.m. Yeah. It's their rule. That's what they say. Yeah. Whatever. So well, I see people drinking cafe cremes, which is the equivalent in France in the afternoon. So yeah. all bets are off. All bets it's are a off. New generation. Honestly, I mean, I go to Italy. It's like I will have a cappuccino in the afternoon. People may scoff, but you know, it's my I've choice. never had anybody even like after a meal now in Paris, you could get a cappuccino. Or a, you don't want to, a cappuccino in France is sort of a, they put like whipped cream and cinnamon, all this stuff oh, yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. It's like no cafe creme. Mm -hmm. So the desserts that you have in front of us, one of them is a tricolore. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to just say what they are, and then we're going to go back. Something else that looks like a big brownie, which we'll talk about, because that's what I'm eyeing. Mm -hmm. There's something that looks like coffee cake, coffee cake. And I said that twice because you used the word coffee in it. Um, <laughs> and the coffee twice, mm -hmm. which is something that confuses a lot of people that aren't American. They're like, why is it called coffee cake? There's a little cookie here that looks delicious, and it's probably a amaretti. Correct. Yep. And there are some heart-shaped shortbreads. That's right. So tell us about this tricolore, because this is, this is probably one of my all-time favorite things, and I'm going to grab a bite of it right now. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the, the tricolore, or rainbow cookie, or seven-layer cookie, it goes by multiple names. I would say it's a classic Italian-American mm. <laughs> <laughs> Italian uh, mm. bar. 
It's always found on those cookie platters mm-hmm. that you can get pretty much anywhere, and they're usually mm-hmm. red, white, and green. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely delicious. It's an oh. almond-based cookie. It's almond cake layered with, you could either do an apricot jam or a raspberry jam, and it's topped with a chocolate glaze. Um, mm. you know, it's very good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's one of my <laughs> okay. favorites. Okay. I yeah. absolutely love it. And it's just like it's a simple almond cake. You divvy up the batter into three layers. You can dye them any colors you want. Traditionally, they're red, mm-hmm. white, and green for the Italian flag. Mm-hmm. But, you know, seasonally we'll kind of change the color scheme. You know, like for Valentine's Day, we might do shades of red. But I also play with the flavor profiles within the bar. It's um, really good. I can't. I'm going to just, let me just re- repeat over. It's yeah, really yeah, yeah. good. I mean, it's delicious. <laughs> Thank you. And the, the one you're tasting is like the classic. It is okay. the classic almond-based. In the summertime, we'll make a spumoni-flavored one. Mm. So that will be, it's still an almond cake, but we'll have a layer of cherry-infused almond cake and then chocolate and then pistachio. So that's really great. And then, I'm going to cry. Yeah, and it's wonderful. I mean, and, and that's what I enjoy about this particular type having of one cookie more bar. Bite. Yeah, please enjoy you can you can play with it. There's a lot of varieties. I, we even do like kind of like a Neapolitan one, mm-hmm. um, which is chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. So I was going to make them at home once, mm-hmm. and I was looking at a recipe, and it was like five cups of almond powder, which is fine for me because I'll just buy it. But it's a pretty substantial commitment for a home cook. Yeah, it is. I mean, we use like kind of like the uh, almond paste. Mm-hmm. And then we mix it with regular flour and then we use a little bit of almond extract. And then it's one of those things where, you know, you get a little bit of height, but you also get the density mm-hmm. by pressing it down. But the height is uh, you're separating the eggs. So you're okay. putting in the egg yolks into the batter and then you're folding in the egg whites. So it has this nice texture to it, but then you're also pressing it down so they can all kind of like adhere together. Well, I'm, I've already eaten half of it. <laughs> <laughs> so next up is, it looks like a brownie, mm-hmm. but it's very dark. Yes. And it doesn't look like the classic American brownie. It looks even better. It's it's very decadent. If for me, as you know, Baked was known for their brownies. And mm-hmm. I loved the Baked brownie, mm-hmm. but this one is a... <laughs> I've known you for years, and I'm like sitting there, I'm like, this is really good. Right. I'm glad you're wowed. This is a cocoa-based brownie, mm-hmm. which are my favorite brownies. So it doesn't have any melted chocolate in it in the recipe. Mm-hmm. It actually just has the cocoa powder, and of course, what kind of cocoa powder? Valrona. Okay. Yeah, and it's like Valrona makes a fantastic kind of dark cocoa powder. Yeah. It's very rich. It's very delicious, and I find. With something like Valrona, you don't really need the addition of the melted chocolate. Right. You know, because it has such a chocolatey profile, if not more of a chocolatey profile. In my mind, it plays a trick on me because if I taste a brownie Mm. that is melted chocolate with some cocoa powder, I get chocolate. But from an exclusively cocoa-based brownie, Mm -hmm. all I get is chocolate. Mm. And it's dark and I, you know, we folded in some chocolate chips so it has a little bit of a texture, a little Mm. bit of a bite. It's... Genuinely well, you know, my favorite. I don't like calling for brands when I write recipes because, mm-hmm. you know, people can't get something. And Valrhona cocoa is not inexpensive. No. However, it does make a difference. I'll, I'll sometimes say, you know, preferably Valrhona. Yeah. It does make a difference. We're not sponsored by Valrhona. Um, <laughs> yeah, they want to send yeah. us some cocoa powder. <laughs> we'll definitely use it. But I have a, I buy it in Paris. I buy it in kilo bags. Mm-hmm. And I usually bring a bag over for Deb Perlman from Spit and Kitchen. Oh, nice. So we'll get her on my podcast if, if this one goes well. <laughs> this, if this is a success. Awesome. Okay, so now we're on to the great enigma or the things that drive 
people who aren't Americans a little nutty online or calling for sticks of butter, mm-hmm. using cups for measuring. Yes. And that's a, that's a whole other podcast. And coffee cake. <laughs> so tell me about your coffee cake and what makes it special, because it's really good. Thank you. I mean, I, I'm, again, a fan of, like, a very good coffee cake. And, you know, coffee cake itself is, like, it's a, a German mm. recipe, you know. It, oh, is it? It, yeah, it hails from Germany, and wow. it's usually a yeast cake. This is a sour cream-based cake, and it's, you know, uniquely American in that way. It echoes that kind of like it's German ancestry, but it's coffee cake. It's something you would have for breakfast. What we do with ours is that we add espresso to it already. Mm-hmm. So it's a coffee, coffee cake. So you're putting the coffee in coffee cake. Exactly. Okay. Putting coffee back in coffee cake. But if you called it espresso coffee cake, mm. or if you called it espresso cake, it wouldn't be the same. I feel like, you know, coffee, coffee cake, for me, it's like, obviously, I come from a marketing and branding background, so <laughs> there's something that rings a little better mm-hmm. to coffee, coffee cake mm-hmm. than espresso coffee cake, but it is it is espresso powder that is folded into, like, kind of like the streusel and into the filling. So it has, like, a slight, if you look at it, it has, like, a slightly darker color, but it has that unique kind of espresso mm. note in the back. It's really good. And the cinnamon is really nice because yeah. it's not too strong, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And cinnamon and coffee go really well together. Yeah. And it's delicious. It's like sharp cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Like whatever cinnamon you use is good quality. I can tell because it's... Oh, thank you. It has a brighter note. Well, like I'm a not, good cinnamon. I have no marketing background, but the product speaks for it. <laughs> <laughs> so over here is this little round cookie. Mm-hmm. And that is a... It's an amaretti, you were right. Can you say it in Italian? Amaretti? Yes, because yeah. you speak fluent Italian. Almost fluent Italian. Okay. I have to like, I have to be submerged back into Italy. Okay. I forget it pretty easily. It's funny because my husband is duolingoing Italian now. Okay. And he's been doing it, you know Sven, he's been doing it for like every night for a year. Mm-hmm. And his Italian is kind of on par with mine at this point. It's insane. He's he's German. He's German and he's very dedicated to what he does. So he'll take the class every day. Well, these Europeans, I think they're programmed to be smarter than me because I have a friend who went in Tinos, Greece. Mm -hmm. He's Swiss. He bought a house there. And within two years, he spoke fluent. He learned fluent Greek. He passed like the highest level. And he speaks like English, French, Spanish, Greek. I'm always so impressed by people who can do that. Yeah, but, you know, when I go to Italy and I say a few words in Italian, people there are like, your accent's perfect. Oh. And no one said that to me in France. I've lived there for 20 (laughs) years. (laughs) So women in Sicily were like, you need to come live here for six months and you will be fluent in Italian. And my other, my Italian friends are like, well, you'll learn Sicilian. Yeah, it's quite different then. Yeah, and I learned Sicilian doesn't have a future tense. Yeah, I mean, it sounds accurate. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about this amaretti. Okay, so the amaretti is... Amaretti di Ciao Gloria. There are two kinds of amaretti that you can see out there. There's the hard, kind of like crunchy amaretti. The ones you buy in the tin. Exactly. And then this is uh, what's considered amaretti morbidi, which is morbidi means soft. Mm. So this has kind of like that nice kind of crunchy Mm. outer layer, but the middle is just like that... Mm. Almost like marzipani almondy goodness, yeah. you know? Mm. And this is another type of cookie that you can play with infinitely. This is the classic kind of just plain almond, but we do like a gingerbread version in the oh, uh, wintertime. It's delicious with like those gingerbread spices folded into the batter. So um, we don't have any ads here yet, but mm-hmm. the almond paste you're using is really good. And when I used to work as a pastry chef and baker in San Francisco, I got almond paste from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. 
And it was delicious. Would you mind telling us? Oh about my God. It? I don't remember the name okay. of the brand, but. Is I it could... American Almond Products? I think so. I think we probably, I'll double check, okay. but I, that does sound familiar. They only, because they were selling it's like it. like a beige package. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They were selling it only for professionals in these mm-hmm. number 10 cans, which I think is a five pounds. Yep. Yep. Then they started making it called Love and Bake uh-huh. on these little tins for home cooks. Yes. And then they stopped making those. And I had to change all the references on my blog because people were like, we can't find it. I was like, so find somebody, buy the big tin. The big tin's like $50 or something. Yeah, like yeah. buy the big tin and split it. So Yeah, totally. And um, it lasts a while as long as it's kind of like sealed properly. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I probably have a Love and Bake tin of almond paste in my cupboard right now. I have a, one of their, I know, <laughs> we're not sponsored, but they don't, <laughs> they, don't, they don't exist anymore. But I have some hazelnut praline mm-hmm. and I had it in my cupboard for like 12 years. Yeah. And I opened it and it was delicious. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's still it's sealed. unbelievable. I'm like waiting. I don't know what I'm waiting for, but it's in there. Yeah, so. these things have extra expiration dates. And yeah. When I actually went to coffee school in Italy, they told me I was at Italy, mm-hmm. uh, not an ad, <laughs> but they said the coffee actually gets better in the tin as it sits, oh. which sounded kind of like marketing speak. But then I realized, well, it's marinating in its own oils. odor. Yeah. yeah, oils. And there's no air, which is so... There might be some truth to that. I believe that. I believe it. Yeah, so this Amoretti is absolutely delicious. And it's, again, something we play with all year long. You could do a chocolate-based one, pistachio, lemon, what have you. Okay, well, I, I'm glad this is not a video because I'm a mad, I'm covered with crumbs. <laughs> You're super clean. What is this cookie? This is one of our newer additions to our cookie line. It is a, an espresso chip shortbread. So we're going back to the espresso flavor profile. This is one of my favorite things, and Mm. customers absolutely love this cookie. We introduced it in our holiday cookie box a Mm -hmm. few years back, but Mm. the reaction is always so positive from our cookie box, and people always say, it's like, oh my gosh, that shortbread was my favorite. Mm. And it is. It's a simple shortbread recipe with the infusion of espresso powder, Mm. actually, some chocolate chips, and a little bit of sea salt. Mm. And that is it. And it is sublime. So we've made it around the plate. Can we start again? (laughs) (laughs) I know. That was everything. So yeah, it's absolutely, Mm. it's absolutely fantastic. Mm. Yeah. One of my favorite things. Well, I am so excited (laughs) to talk to you. (laughs) This is unedited. So I'm trying to swallow this wonderful cookie I have in my mouth. So your bakery is here in Brooklyn. It is. Prospect Heights. It's on Vanderbilt Avenue. It's Mm -hmm. called Chow Gloria. Yep. And you also do sandwiches. You do breakfast sandwiches, which is a big New York thing. Yes. Yeah. What's different than baked is that I wanted to open up Chow Gloria with like a more of a robust savory menu. Mm-hmm. So it could be considered more of a, an all-day concept. So okay. people come in for breakfast or lunch. But yeah, I decided to open with egg sandwiches. So your classic bacon, egg, and cheese or avocado, egg, and cheese. Mm-hmm. We have an Italian spin on it called the peck, which is a prosciutto egg and cheese. And people really like it. And you also put Calabrian aioli yes. on the sandwiches, yes. which is what? Um, it's a Calabrian like kind of chili paste. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually called bomba calabrese. And we fold that in with aioli and make this kind of bomba aioli. And we mm. smear that on all of our morning sandwiches. Because so I had one nice with kick. crispy prosciutto on it once. That's the peck. Yeah. And that was delicious. Yeah. It's so you can come and have breakfast and yes. then sit there and have cookies and coffee mm-hmm. and then have lunch. <laughs> and then you can have lunch. Um, yeah. We're trying to kind of like hit all the food marks. But 
you know, because of the pandemic, we kind of shifted gears after we reopened. We were closed for a couple of months at the start of it. And we realized that a lot of people were working from home and staying home and they mm. wanted more lunch options from us, more mm. robust lunch, lunch options. So we tinkered with our lunch menu. We introduced a bunch of new sandwiches, one of which was the Italo Disco Club, which is our interpretation, an Italian version of a turkey club. Mm-hmm. And that really took off. It became one of our most popular items. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like a good club sandwich. Right? And actually, remember when I think I was about no- 12, I was going to say noon. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm wired up on sugar. Uh-huh. Um, when I was like 12, my parents took us to Italy, me and my sister. Mm-hmm. And I remember all I wanted was a club sandwich. And I don't know why, because mm-hmm. maybe it's something that's just uniquely American. Yeah. But also they eat sandwiches in Italy, too. They like do. That, so. Panini and stuff like that. I mean, Italy has a pretty strong sandwich culture, which is a nice kind of crossover. What like, are they? Tramezzini? Tramezzini. Yeah. Tramezzini. Yeah. Which is like kind of like that soft, almost like Wonder Bread style sandwich that yeah. they'll press for you. Or, you know, they have piadini, they have focaccia sandwiches. You know, they even have like what they call grinders, you know, like those mm-hmm. kind of like panini imbottiti, which are kind of stuffed sandwiches. Okay. On, on like but little no baguettes. meatball subs. No meatball subs. <laughs> That's Italian you know? American. The, yeah, it's exactly. And I think the the universe in that Venn diagram between Italian and American, what is uniquely Italian American? There's so many things, mm-hmm. like you know, spaghetti and meatballs, meatball sub, tricolor cookies. These things that were brought over from Italy and then reinterpreted because of either a lack of ingredients yeah. or other ingredients. Or they so found out we had tomatoes. Yeah, and exactly. And tomatoes were cheap in America. Let's put tomato sauce on everything. Exactly. So it, it just kind of broadened the menu. And I think that's why Americans love Italian food so much. And it's so wholly integrated into American right. culture yeah. is that it's been here for a very long time and it's was easily adaptable. And it's familiar, it's comforting. Yeah. It's well, That's what I always think. Like in America, we never had French communities per se. Mm-hmm. And we always had like Italian American or Italian communities. Yep. You know, in San Francisco, we have North Beach. And here in Manhattan, there is Little Italy. Exactly. And most, so we have a sort of a much more closer reference to Italy. Um, and it's the kind of food I think Americans are used to eating on a daily basis. You know, carbs. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. So forth. Whereas French food is a little more technique driven. Yep. So not that it's hard, but... Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's, you know, for lack of a better term, French food tends to be a little, like, a little fussier, a little more involved, Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas Italian food is definitely more homey and... Grandma. Grandma, rustic. You You can really kind of throw it together, and the margin of error within an Italian meal is is greater than a French mm-hmm. one. If you mess up a French meal, you mess it up. If you mess yeah. up an Italian meal, it's you could hide it, I well, think. Well, did you ever watch The Pasta Grannies? Um, yes, yeah. I have a book right over there, actually. <laughs> it's completely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, these women are like 97, and they're rolling out lasagna. Yeah. And it's like... It's, it's yeah. second nature. Yeah. It's like food is so integrated into Italian culture that it's... I'm always intimidated by it because, you know, I'm always learning and I'm always like kind of, I always need a recipe in front of me. I always need a, I need some kind of guide to kind of at least help me along. My goal in life is to reach that pasta granny level where I could just like 
make it, not even think twice about it. It, it just it comes yeah. out of my hands. Well, I think a lot of them are in their 90s, so you have a little way. You have 40 years or so to yeah, catch yeah. up. Maybe less. <laughs> Maybe you can be a pasta daddy. I'll be a pasta daddy. daddy. <laughs> okay. Let me go steal that Instagram handle. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Um, once again, Renato Poliofito. Yes. Um, sometimes known as Nato Poliofito. Mm-hmm. I always associate that with Japanese soybean paste, so <laughs> exactly. I still call you Renato. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you have Chow Glory in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and it's a short ride on the subway if you're in Manhattan. It really is one of the great bakeries in New York. I have to say, I could eat all these pastries that are right in front of me when you're doing such a wonderful job. So thank you for being on my podcast. Well, thank you, David. My first guest. An absolute honor being your first guest. Hopefully you'll have me back. All right. And for those of you that are just joining us, um, that maybe showed up late, you can find me on my Substack newsletter at davidlebovitz.substack.com. And you can subscribe. You can subscribe to my newsletter. And I believe you'll be able to subscribe to my podcast on different podcast apps, I'm going to learn all about those when this is over. (laughs) You're doing a great job. This is Spotify, (laughs) Apple, and so forth, but a whole bunch of them. All right, thanks again, and I'm looking forward to chowing down on the rest of these. Thanks, Renato. Thank you. Thank you.